Our lesson from the book of Acts is taken from the 8th chapter of Acts, verse 26, following. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. And he arose and went and beheld, and behold, there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. And when Philip had run up, he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, well, how could I? As someone guides me. And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. And he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its sharers is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation his judgment was taken away. Who shall relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of someone else? And Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. And as they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, water. What prevents me from being baptized? And then look at the marginal note. And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. But he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. Amen. May God bless to our understanding this reading from his word. Our Heavenly Father, those of us who know and love Donald, uh, are greatly thankful to you for the integrity of this good man. And we bless you for his marvelous Christian witness. And we thank you for his considerable academic gifts and for the great way in which he ministered to us while he was here in Montreat, and also for the remarkable uh, ministry he had in Wheaton College. Uh, and we thank you for uh, the incredible work at King in bringing that school back uh, from almost going completely out, back to a strong, viable evangelical school. 
We pray that you will recover him uh, from this heart attack, and we pray that you will recover and restore his health, and that you will bless him in the continuation of his presidency at King. Be with uh, Grace, his dear wife, and be with Marion and be with Allison. Bless this family, and we pray that they may sense and feel and know your nearness. And now, Lord, we thank you for our opportunity for worship, especially as we look into the scriptures, seeking to find some inspiration that will cause our own lives to bear an effective witness and testimony to thee, and pray for the Holy Spirit to make the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts to be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Mike Ditka is mean. Uh, he's a good man. Uh, anyway, uh, the nominating committee will meet this afternoon. And, you know, I was thinking about uh, deacons yesterday. And into my office walked Brad Daniel. You know what he wanted? He wanted 100 copies of the New Testament. Because he was taking a number of uh, students from our college to a street ministry. And when I thought about Philip, uh, who was a deacon... He is always described in the New, Test New Testament as Philip the Evangelist. And we ought to keep that in mind. Every Christian ought to be an evangelist in the sense that we ought to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Last week we saw the remarkably beautiful character of Stephen, who was a, the first Christian martyr uh, of uh, this one, the first of these killed for the Lord. And that word martyr means witness. It means he put his life on the line for his faith. And when I think about that, I wonder how many of us are really willing to witness for the Lord and why we do not witness more for him. This is a red-bordered, um, elegant piece of stationery that I received from Mrs. W. Allen Morris this week. A note thanking me, that's, uh, there's A. Allen Morris is the father and W. Allen is the son. And uh, little Allen had written me a note in which he said, we are going to have a dinner party for about 300 people. Now, most of us can't invite that many to our house. Uh, but we have present a man who was formerly an associate, uh, an assistant director of the Secret Service who is a tremendous evangelical Christian. He is going to present his Christian testimony. And after the dinner, we will take up cards from the people who come. And uh, they do this as a way of seeking to reach some people who are inquirers into the Christian faith. Uh, Dr. Billy Graham went to speak uh, at uh, a huge dinner for 1,000 people, given by Nancy DeMoss. Uh, whose uh, husband was a, a great and powerfully successful insurance executive. A thousand people, in a very unusual invitation, in that those who attended were not to be believers, but people who were to be presented with the claims of Christ. Billy Graham had an invitation to be one of the 80 people invited by the President and Mrs. Reagan to a dinner for... Uh, Prince Philip and Princess Diane. But he kept the engagement to go and speak to the thousand people uh, who needed 
to hear the message of Christ. There was a great response to that. Well, that's what we're thinking about when we talk about witnessing. Uh, we talk about our life and who's to relate our faith to someone else. Stephen gave that, uh, and remember he was a chosen to serve, a server of tables. And yet he had a great knowledge of the scriptures which he used powerfully. Fulfilling Jesus' promise that if we would be faithful to him, he would put words in our mouth at the time to speak. And the people could not resist his words, the Sanhedrin. They stoned him to death to try to stop that testimony. But it didn't stop that testimony. And Jesus stood, as we finished the sermon last week, to greet Stephen when he came into heaven. Stephen said, I see him, I see him, I see him, standing at the right hand of God. And that true, that is true also to the words of the Lord Jesus. For you remember he said, if you confess me before him, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. And I believe that when Jesus stood to welcome Stephen, that he was confessing Stephen before his Father in heaven because Stephen had been faithful to confess him before men. And so this business of a Christian witness is something important for us to remember. I have told, I may have told on one occasion, the uh, interview I once had uh, with Charles Malick, who used to be the president of the United Nations General Assembly a very brilliant Harvard scholar who was also the president of the American University in Beirut. Uh, once when Mr. Johnson was president and it was my privilege to go back and forth to Washington, I was at a leadership breakfast where there were a great many people. And Charles Malick was there and we were back where the piano is, back of the stage, uh, visiting. And I asked him a question. I said uh, to him, that once, when I had first gotten out of seminary, I was asked to speak at a Rotary Club. And uh, on the way to the Rotary Club, I remember it was uh, very much on my mind. I had been asked to tell about my life and something of my work as a minister, as a Presbyterian minister. And I realized that there would be Jewish people present at this Rotary Club and that there might be someone offended if I should mention the name of Jesus Christ. And I was telling this to Malik. And he interrupted me when I was speaking. And he said, don't you ever do that. Don't you ever be ashamed of Jesus Christ. Well, I really didn't was <laughs> ashamed of him and did not intend not to mention him. But I was glad that he reaffirmed my determination to be faithful to Jesus Christ. And then I read a write-up of an interview that Malik, now remember this is the President of the United Nations General Assembly. A reporter came up to him and asked why he was so bold in his testimony about Christ. And he cited that scripture which I gave a moment ago. He said, Jesus said, if you are ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. One day I will be finished with everything here. 
and I will go before my Father in heaven, and I do not want him to be ashamed of me. And so he stood his ground in his faith in Jesus Christ. I'm amazed when I see uh, the Morrises in this testimony for Christ, the DeMosses in their testimony for Christ, and uh, then a, another friend that I have in, in Florida, Robert L. Turner, uh, the second uh, chairman of the board and founder of Genuine Parts in NAPA. Mr. Turner sent this book to me by Charles Colson, Who Speaks for God? And uh, Bob, uh, I often think of to try to help young people who go through broken homes. His father and mother separated and divorced when he was a sophomore in high school. His mother told him that he would have to go out and get a job and go to work, that she could not feed him. He was 15. He went to work sweeping the floor in a parts store in Wheeling, West Virginia. And from that, he began to see what the automobile industry would do, how it would grow. This was in the 1920s. He went with Carlisle Frazier from Wheeling to Atlanta, Georgia, and there founded NAPA. He realized that when cars broke down, that people had to wait for several weeks to get the parts to fix them. So they figured out a scheme of cataloging parts so that they could use the long-distance telephone and call different uh, uh, parts centers and get the parts more quickly and the cars could be going again. Well, Mr. Turner had a, a granddaughter who got into the usual um, drug traffic and the other things that can happen to young people in high school and really gave them a little time and he was sad about this. And then he saw her life transform. Oh, he had been a very heavy contributor uh, to the Methodist Church in Atlanta. Was enormously rich. He gave lots of money away. But he had no personal faith. No real personal reading the Bible, praying to Jesus, or ever speaking a word for him. But his daughter got converted in a campus crusade for Christ meeting. Yes, one of those little four spiritual laws thing led her to a commitment of her life to Christ. She later went on to Wheaton College. She began to work on her grandfather. And one day, she asked him if he would go to a lay seminar for campus crusade. He didn't want to go, but his wife, Florence, said, you remember what this daughter has been? You know what she's been into? Now, you're going to turn her down? All right, I'll go. So <laughs> he, he went. Here is this tycoon sitting there listening to someone saying, you're going to have to take these little booklets and go out indoors and witness to faith. He thought, I'm not going to do that. But the little granddaughter said, Granddaddy, I brought you here. Now, won't you please just try? Well, that did it. He went up and knocked on a door and went over the four spiritual laws with a man. And the man actually responded in faith. Well, Bob's been handing those things out ever since. Now he sends out books. Uh, and in this book by Charles Colson, you see the same theme. This is what happens when you have something to witness to. Uh, he, uh, Charles Colson, we're going now to him. I met him, by the way, in Mr. Uh, uh, Turner's home at a board meeting a couple of years ago. Listen to what Colson said. During a recent interview, I came face to face with the secular media 
often subtly and sometimes unconsciously, the media blocks the Christian message from the mainstream of American thought. This time, however, it was not so subtle. Just before airtime, the er leaned across the microphone and said, Mr. Colson, we'll talk today only about prisons. It's against the policy of the station to mention God on the air. The mic's red light flashed. The interviewer asked about prisons. I talked about Christ, who sends me there. <laughs> when she objected to my answers, I could only remind her politely that I hope that the same First Amendment freedom of press protects my freedom of religion. I'm not sure the interviewer would agree, but I welcomed the confrontation and it brought me into sharp focus with the central issue of the day. What are the values by which people are living? And how do we confront those values? Will we confront them by a knowledge of the Word of God? And will we confront them by having a personal faith? Or are we simply singing hymns that we do not meet? Here he talks about the hymn, Crown Him Lord of All. And then he cites a New York Times interview with the founder of McDonald's. He stated what he believes in. God, my family, and McDonald's hamburgers. But then he added, when I get to the office, I reverse the order. Now that's what happens all too often. Apparently, we have a Sunday morning faith that we give expression to, but what will we do on Monday morning when the rubber meets the road? What are we going to do about our faith then? Our faith is meant to permeate all of our existence. We are meant to be witnesses for Jesus Christ at all times. Now then, look at your lesson. We have it there in the, the bulletin, and I hope you'll take a chance at looking at the questions for uh, observation at the, uh, 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 that are printed on your inside cover of the bulletin. Philip had gone after Stephen's death, by the way, the church began to spread rapidly. That's always the way it's been. Uh, the church has spread whenever it's persecuted. I really believe that in the providence of God, the spread of the Christian church in China came about through the terrifying suffering where Christians were smashed and Bibles were confiscated and churches were torn down that the church spread, because there you get a witness, which is the witness of your life, not just Sunday morning stuff, but the witness of your life, that it affects your conduct at all times, that it permeates you. You can't give your soul to God and keep your body for what you want it for. You must give him all of you, and so that takes all of your life. Well, Philip made a whole city glad. He, like Stephen, was able to see great wonders of faith performed, and he had gone into Samaria. And you can see what Dr. Luke, who wrote uh, the gospel according to Luke and also the Acts of the Apostles, is seeking to show us here uh, as a careful 
historian. This morning, Jim Skidmore, one of our elders, in praying for Dr. Guthrie, referred to Dr. Luke in his prayer. And I thought it was a very beautiful thing to do. Uh, Dr. Luke, who was concerned about the soul as well as the body. And uh, Dr. Luke tells us here how the spread of the gospel is going to go from the Jews, like that Sanhedrin group that had killed Stephen, how it will go to the Samaritans, who are sort of halfway along the road. They had part of the Bible, they had the Pentateuch, but they rejected the prophets. And how Philip takes the gospel to the Samaritans. And multitudes, the uh, imagery there in the original language, beautiful, it says, myriads and myriads of people. Multitudes and multitudes of people were coming to Christ. But then in the midst of this big revival in Samaria, the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. Arise and go south and go to Gaza. This is, and even here in the New American Standard Version of the Bible that I have, we're put in one of the manuscript notes, this is a desert road. In other words, the Holy Spirit is telling him, you are leaving this big, crowded, successful, uh, to the eye ministry, and here you go to a desert road. Would you hear the Lord's voice that clearly to do that? And so Philip arose, he obeyed, he arose and he went. And behold, there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in all her treasure. Candace is a, a term like uh, Pharaoh, it's a, um, a term that was used of this particular area. Uh, now how would that Ethiopian have ever heard about Isaiah or any of the prophets, the Jew, Jesus gave a great compliment to the Pharisees when he said that they would go from city to city to make one proselyte. That is a con convert to Judaism. They were intense in seeking to win others to their Judaistic faith, their faith in the Old Testament. We ought to emulate them, imitate them in that respect. Jesus commended them for it. Now, he wants us to be true in our life, too. Well, somewhere this Ethiopian, who was a person who had a lot to do with money, came in contact with some Jewish believer who also had contact with money, was witness to about faith in Jehovah God. And that man had gone up to Jerusalem to worship. He was a businessman who had gone 1,200 miles from his home to worship in Jerusalem. Do you know many people who take their faith that seriously? He'd gone 1,200 miles to Jerusalem to worship. He had a heart that was hungry after God. He was a eunuch. And that meant that he couldn't even be a member of the assembly. And yet, he saw something so pure and so wonderful about the faith of the Old Testament that he believed it. And he went to Jerusalem, hungering after God. 
I really think that in Jerusalem, because of the time of the year it was and the festival that would have been there, that he must have heard someone talking about Jesus as the Messiah, how he made the blind to see, how he used lepers, how he caused lame people to walk, how he preached the gospel to the poor, how he told of God's love that would reach out to all who would accept him. That man must have heard that, and he was studying. He was studying his Bible. What do you stuff in your briefcase or in your suitcase when you go off on a trip? I always thank God for my mother. We were so poor, I didn't even have a suitcase. But when I remember going off on a trip, my mama would put my Bible in with the other things that she put for me to take away. And I'll never forget that. That's a good thing for a mother to do, to live it and read it and believe it and pray it into your children. Well, when this man went on his trip, even expensive as it would be, he had some part of the scroll of Isaiah, which he probably just at a great price. And he was wondering, wondering about this 53rd chapter. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was reading that. Now notice, Philip is called away from the big city, out onto this desert road in Gaza. He looks in the shimmering heat and he sees uh, this entourage of servants and horses and this gilded carriage coming by. And the Spirit says to him, the Holy Spirit says, go. Go and join yourself to that caravan. Go and join yourself to that caravan. Do you ever pray that the Lord will enable you to witness to someone by you? One of the other great people of faith that always witnessed to me was the old school teacher who helped me to go through school, Miss Moss Richardson. She loved and knew her Bible, had been educated at Oxford, and was absolutely brilliant. And when I had the bus across the country, she would make lunch for me and put little sandwiches in it, and then she would say, now these sandwiches are for the person sitting next to you. So share them with the person sitting by you. Then you may have an opportunity to talk with them about the Lord. Well, now that's a good thing to remember. And the Spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. You ever been to anyone who was just ready for you when you got there? I have absolutely knocked on the door and had a man open it and say to me, are you a preacher? Scare me to death. Uh, and uh, uh, then he would ask me, I remember a man in Georgetown, South Carolina. I was there uh, uh, with uh, some students from Columbia Seminary. This had been 30-something years ago. I knocked on the door. The man opened the door, and that was the first thing he said. Are you a preacher? And I told him I was a student preacher, and he said, come in. And I came in, and he, said, he wanted to know how he could be saved. Well, the Lord sent me there. The Lord sent me there, and I was just going from door to door. Well, the Spirit said to Philip, go up and join the chariot. And when Philip had run up, he heard him reading, and Philip's heart must have really jumped up. He heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, and he, he spoke to him. 
politely. He said, do you understand what you're reading? He took him where he was. Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, well, how, how could I unless someone guides me? Philip didn't say to him, you got that scroll upside down. Uh, Philip didn't say to him, well, do you know all of the theories about Deutero and Trito and Quarto Isaiah? You ever see people lay all that theology on you at one time? If you do that to God, say, I've got to go to the bathroom. Uh, he's not going to listen to that. But if, you, if you're willing to take him where he is, you can lead him into the faith. And so the Holy Spirit speaks to Philip, and he said, Well, how could I unless someone should guide me, the man says, and he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And then that passage from Isaiah 53, speaking of our Savior going to the cross to die for us. If that doesn't get you, you can't be God. If the thought of Jesus dying on the cross will not move you to love him, there is no hope. There is no hope. But if you are willing to accept Jesus dying for you on the cross as your Savior, dying for you, wounded for your transgressions, bruised for your iniquities, like a lamb before the slaughter, humiliated and in judgment for you, then he reaches to you. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom is he speaking this prophet, of himself or of someone else? And then Philip begins at this very spot and speaks to him about faith in Jesus as the Messiah. He is the Messiah. And man can say it, I have found him, or he has found me. And then he looks outside the chariot and he sees some water. And water reminds him of baptism because he knows enough about the, the Jews and the baptismal rites that they had. And he said, see, here is water. Is there any reason why I cannot be baptized? And then Philip, and here is uh, a, a second century marginal note. If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then that man ordered his chariot to stop. And he must have commanded all the people that were in his retinue of servants to come near. And he said, watch me, for I am confessing my faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. I am receiving him now as my Lord and Savior. And he was baptized. He was baptized and he went on his, Philip was taken away and this eunuch went on his way rejoicing. There was joy in his heart because of the faith that had come to him in Jesus Christ. Philip knew his Bible. And Philip used his knowledge of the Bible to reach to this man and to bring him to him. This morning before I came in, I looked through my notes to find an old poem that um, I spent one summer studying in the Waldensian Seminary in Rome in, oh, a long time ago, 1952. And I remember going up into the Alps that separate Switzerland and Italy and France, places where there was no motorized vehicles that 
could get there, you had to hike into them. And seeing those little tiny Waldensian churches tucked away in the mountains that go all the way back uh, to 1250. These were people who read the Bible, the scriptures, and they came into a knowledge of the Savior, and they communicated that faith to people. And John Greenleaf Whittier, the great Quaker poet, wrote a beautiful poem about them, and just a sentence from it will help you. He tells of these merchants who were thrifty, careful uh, merchants. They would go and talk to people, and then after talking to them, they would speak a word about their faith in Jesus Christ, and they would give to them a copy of the scriptures. And so he shows one of these valley peddlers who comes to a rich lady and says, O oh, lady fair, showing her gems that he had, I have yet a gem which a pure luster flings than the diamond flash of the jeweled crown on the lofty brow of kings a wonderful pearl of exceeding price whose virtue shall not decay, whose light shall be as a spell to thee and a blessing on thy way. And then he produces a little copy of the scriptures, the gospel, and he gives this to her and witnesses for his faith in Christ. Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses. Every single one of us. And so this should be the object of our prayer from this lesson today. I hope you'll study it some more when you get home and that you'll pray that the Lord will lay someone on your heart and will love that person through you and will enable you to tell them what the Savior means to you. I have printed in the bulletin an invitation which is there for you. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you always have an invitation in this church to seek instruction in the Christian faith and preparation for baptism. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you will lead us. Lead us in an obedience to the Holy Spirit that will cause us to really seek your knowledge of those persons to whom we should witness to and help us to know that in some way we can witness to everyone. Give us discretion and help us to be courageous and to be faithful, to make our lives to be put on the line for you. We pray that you will enrich us in a knowledge of your word so that we might know those scriptures which might be helpful to people who are puzzled in all of the things that they have to go through in life. Bless us that we might gain from your word light for the path that we tread. And we pray, Father, that you will help us to obey, not just to think about this today, but to obey it the rest of this day and in the week to come, and that you will constantly bring us back into harmony with your will and purpose. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the guidance of the Holy Spirit our Teacher be and abide with us all now and forevermore.